Hi, it's Dana. I'm Maz. How are you? I'm good, lover. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. How's your week been? Oh, you know, it's lovely. Um, I'm on spring break, so... That's nice. I've had some time to, to do a couple of things I've been putting off. Um, it's nice to sort of catch up. I know you haven't been on spring break. I have not been on spring break. Funny enough, the nonprofit sector doesn't go on spring break. Nor does the business sector. Really, no sector but college goes on spring break. Spring break is awesome. <laughs> you miss it, do you? <laughs> I, I miss that about college, teaching college, yes. Um, how's your week been in terms of this being your post? Oh, it's been an interesting week. I noticed a couple of things. You said to me that when you're doing your daily stuff around town, people come up to you all the time and tell you that they love what we're doing and I don't do that because I'm at work um, I've had a couple of people who said they, they, they read it but they, you know, they do it in hushed academic corridors and then you and I walked from our house to burn bombs which sounds like a stoic effort but it's, how, how, it's about two miles it's a two mile walk it's, 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 it's nothing we walked there for lunch so we, we, on Saturday on the most Saturday. beautiful day of 2020 so far it was um but in burn bombs, I had three. In, um, the owner herself, bless her, um, came up and just said that she loved the post. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time I actually, outside, someone's actually sort of told you out loud that, mm. that they like what you're doing. So that, that was that was kind of. Uh, yes, it was wonderful. Yes, it was it was bashful, and it was it's kind of. It's kind of wonderful and sad at the same time because they looked happy and sad for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's you know. Hopefully, I've touched them or they you know help them understand something a bit better, or they just feel sad for me. I don't know. Well, I had a woman stop me today in the parking lot who works in the building where my nonprofit is, and she said, "I just want you to know how incredible what you and your husband." Um, are doing is and um, I went through it with my husband now my ex-husband and I just was so ha- I'm so happy for you that it worked out for you and it's funny because there's not a great response to that like oh yeah thanks it's awesome I, that's weird um, you don't want to say oh it's nothing because a it's not nothing well, and no, b nothing. someone has bothered to comment on it and to stop to tell you about it so you want to honor that they're reading your work and listening and watching and you want to honor that they've just shared something really intimate and likely painful from their journey and all those pieces so i know exactly what you're saying it's a happy sad proud bashful um good bad easy hard kind of yeah, conversation it, it, it's weird this has been happening to you for six weeks this is the this was the first time it happened to me. I think it must be, I don't know if it's, it's it's better for you or harder for you to have people say that to you. Well, you know... I mean, it was wonderful, and but sad all at the same yeah. time. It's in of, week uh, three, it's kind of my hardest week, I think we talked about how this kind of um, heavy privilege that I felt to be hearing stories from hundreds of people all over the place um because it is a it is a privilege to have someone share something hard with you but 
boy, you and I are not uh, trained to assist anyone in this way above and beyond having lived through it. And we are not, um, we're not experts on anything other than our lived experience, which is not anyone's else lived experience. So, um, it's sad that it's not everyone's experience really. Yeah, it absolutely is. Because quite frankly, we haven't heard from a single person whether they have written publicly or written privately or uh, stopped one of us on the street or any place else, we have not heard from one other person who has said, boy, I know where you were and I know where you are because we made it too. Not one, not one in the hundreds of comments that we have received. that's really, really hard to know and feels um, even more profoundly, um, boy, it's hard to even articulate it. I, I have an even deeper, more profound respect for the fact that we have made it because we've not really met anybody else who has. Yeah. And of course, there would be other couples who have. We just haven't encountered them. And um, wow, I feel just extremely moved, extremely moved by it. And carry that weight, not lightly at all. Don't take the responsibility of our relationship lightly because of it. Uh, What else do you want to talk about tonight? You and I were talking earlier about how you think our writing styles complement this. Oh, this process that we. I think that was before we started podcasting. So let's bring people up to speed. Um, I have heard from some people that there the yin and yang of our writing has been important. So I think uh, kind of the way to think about it is Dr. Mary's sort of skates along a broad surface that covers a lot of content. And mine tends to sort of plunge deep, uh, much more emotional, much more range of feelings. Um, Just think about it as the difference between his is horizontal and mine is vertical. And if the whole story had only been told horizontally, you might wonder as listeners or readers about things. And if it only went vertically, you might think, oh my gosh, I can't do any more of this. So I think that inadvertently we created breathing room for the listening audience by going back and forth because we have, we, our approach has been so dramatically different and our perspective has been so different. So that just gets people about where we were. Yeah, so I was. I, I also reread um, what I wrote here, and there's a couple of things I want to um, pick up on. It, it's, it's weird that I mentioned that um, when I was in the, when I was in rehab, um, I, I relearned who I used to be before um, before my addiction 
um, got the best of my general personality. But there's a there was, um, and then last Wednesday, last Friday at uh, my uh, AA meeting uh, at Prairie, we we talked about a, a sentence that starts a chapter in 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 one of these um, people who write their life stories in this book, and it's it's the chapter that starts with this sentence: "This AA found that the process of dis- discovering who he really was began with knowing who he didn't want to be." And that's kind of what happened to me. I realised after you and Joanne worked your magic on, on that day that you came in and um, really laid it out of, you know, it's not enough to be here. You've, you're supposed to be digging and, and working at this and you're not doing it because you think you know the answer still. And it was that day that I realized that you were, of course, right. And that's when my switch changed, when I really knew that being there wasn't enough. You know, you, you're kind of there, you're, you're not like you're an empty, you're an empty suit. You're just there. You've got to be doing something. And uh, I think that was the day that I, it's not like hitting rock bottom. I'd already done that before, that's why I ended up in the hospital. This was the day I really realized I was at the bottom of a hole and it was now time to want to start to climb out of it. Oh, that's an interesting way to think of it. So you, you weren't falling down. You were trying to figure out how to climb up. Yeah. I knew I was down. Yeah. But I didn't realize I needed help to climb up. I thought I could just climb up. Interesting. So that's... That was when I started. I knew I had to start working. So I started paying attention. There was this worksheet. Joanna gave me that I didn't fill in because I thought I'd, I actually think, think you probably think this is spot on I think I thought I was too important and too almost fixed to, to do it so that night I did it and I was it was actually another slap in the face because I realized just how much help I, I would need to start climbing out of this hole and then instead of pushing hands away I should be grabbing hold of them and the very next day that's what I started doing and I think it, it, it in one of these very clinical sentences I wrote it was you know so I did I started going with a fresh open mind the next day the very next day I went to AA I made um, I admitted that that very stoic pivotal day that the two things about you know well the money was going I was I was buying Jim Beam with it and then I thought right let's not beat about the bush anymore let's be let's just let it all out. I stopped saying but in a sentence. I stopped finding excuses for what I was doing. I just admitted what I was doing to myself and to everyone around me, especially you. And that was a, a massive turning point. And that's another, <laughs> yet another example of how lucky we are. I had a huge turnaround. So I, I'm curious if you think there's a correlation between um rehab success and that light bulb moment or just successfully enduring rehab and getting out because before that moment you were sort of saying the right things you were 
you were presenting in a kind of appropriately contrite way. You were trying stuff. You were going to everything. But you were still doing all of that under the guise of the exact same way you had been drinking, which was to to give the appearance that everything was fine when in actuality underneath it was rotten. Um, and from that moment on, that moment where I sat down in a car with you in the parking lot of Prairie St. John's and basically lost my mind on you and laid out for you every frustration I'd had for years and the past five weeks at that point and all those things, uh, which is not to say that I am the reason you turned the corner, but it happens to all have happened at the same time. I watched a light bulb not just go off over your head, but explode over your head. And I didn't leave that conversation. We'll put conversation in quotation marks because it wasn't a conversation. I just screamed at you. But I didn't leave that moment thinking, oh, well, now he's fixed. But I did leave that moment thinking something has shifted. And he's either going to get it or we're going to be done because we can't go back now. And I saw it go across your face. I saw your body change. Your Everything about you changed when you connected with something. So from our incredibly vast test case of one, <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Do you think that the incredibly low success rate of even the best treatment programs in the area, because I can't speak about them anyplace else, comes about perhaps because people kind of play the game the way they've been playing the game of life through their addiction, and they don't have that exploding light bulb moment. Can you be successful, do you think, without literally going one direction and in the next moment turning such a profoundly sharp corner that there is not really a going back point. Uh, that's a fantastic set of questions. And the only, the only way you can answer it for me is uh, at that moment, I realized I was still lying to myself. Mm. And all I actually think I did was I stopped lying. Well, I didn't only, I stopped lying to myself. When you stop lying to yourself, there's a natural moment where you start to listen and that's what I started to do I started to listen and instead of going yeah no but I thought I thought oh yeah fair enough and I think that was it I I needed to listen and it's a powerful thing cuz I I was what you could refer to as an AA wallflower I didn't say anything for about a year in my AA, AA meetings because I really had worked out that I needed to listen that's one of my favorite things that you have written to date is this idea that you just simply had to go and listen. Yeah. And my sense that people are getting from your side of this story in particular 
is they're just listening and they're taking it in. And the fact that you have elected to be so honest and so stripped down um, is allowing people the opportunity to listen and reflect. And I think that's why that kid came back to AA with you again. Yeah. And I think it's why we're hearing kind of repeat comments from people and all of those kinds of things that, that are connecting with people because they you're giving them the space to just listen and reflect. We don't do very much of that in any facet of our lives. Oh, I didn't do it for years. This is this is this part of this is new to me and I actually enjoy it. I I, I, I think I said on my first the first thing I wrote that you know I had become a chronic liar. I you, you don't you don't like that again, you know, knowing who you don't want to be. I I did not and do not want to be that again. And if that's the only thing that keeps me sober, then I'll take it. But there, it's more to it than that. It, being fully engaged helps. You know, I I read. I read a report, I think I saw part of a TED talk about treating addiction. And one of the, the powerful things about even with test animals, you put something in a cage for a rat to do. Um, oh, it, like an activity? Yeah, an activity. It'll move away from what it, you know, just lying there waiting for its next feel-good moment of being trained to hit a button or something to put an electric current through its head which stimulates you, the, the, the part of your brain where you know the addiction is you occupy their mind and they learn how to not, how to deal with things it, not lying is part of it for me and just you know embracing who I knew I wanted to be and not who I had become that's part of it. It sounds a bit hokey saying that out loud, but I hope it doesn't sound that hokey to other people. Well, I will tell you, as the person who's on the receiving end of you being a listener, uh, it's not hokey at all because you you are correct. You were whatever the opposite of a listener is. You were a belligerent, foolhardy, blowhard, know-it-all who didn't need to take any criticism or any suggestions from anyone for years. So the fact that you now can listen has opened the door for you to be a infinitely more significant partner and spouse. And I think colleague and son and son-in-law and friend and stepdad and what you have to say now matters because you've listened to what someone has brought to you and you're responding from a place of reflection, not from a place of um, armor to hide this anger, fear, big secret. Yeah. It's all in there somewhere. Yeah. And that is what listening in my AA, in my, in my AA groups and in my um, counseling group with Joanne worked and I, it, it suddenly dawned on me you know every morning you fill in this piece of paper it says what do you want to do today and you know for the first week or so it was just words but then I started going you know what no I 
I'm not going to fill in what I, I think they want to hear. I'm going to say, I want to learn how to live with this addiction. I want to communicate better. I want to listen. And I actually started doing it. So, you know, part of how addiction works is that you have to surrender yourself to the fact that you're the problem. And it took me a, a good week or so to, to actually work that out. And when I did, it was it was a, it was night and day. The next day, everything started to get better. Yeah, and as you... I wrote, uh, it kept getting better. The conversations with you improved when you wonderfully came to see me during visiting visiting hours. And I didn't realize I was just actually lying to you at the start because I was telling you things that I thought were true but were complete rubbish. But then I started telling you actually what was happening. And then, of course, you had when it was the same thing was told to you by someone else, you think, aha, maybe Maz is getting it after all. And that, that was, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a scary time. It, that was about another couple of weeks. It was scary, uh, you know, cause you have to listen to your bits of yourself that you hated. You have to admit that you weren't, or you'd cease to be nice in a lot of ways, but you also have to, latch on to the fact that you you know you're, you're relearning how to be a nice human being you do know who you don't want to be so it helps you remember who you used to be and uh you know thankfully for me again being lucky that worked and it worked up to the point where you know within a very short amount a couple of well two or three weeks not even I got I got offered the opportunity to, to stop being an inpatient and, and do day release for the rest of my treatment, which was huge, which does <laughs> lead quite nicely into uh, how different our first night at home was. Yeah, so let's just address that and then put it to bed. Um, I was walking Lily it was sunny. I know where I was on the walk in the afternoon on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I think we differ in those dates a little bit, but I think we have to trust that my journal is probably more accurate. And that'll be, you can kind of follow that on Saturday's post coming up, but it also doesn't really matter what day of the week it was. The phone rang and it was you. And you had had such limited phone privileges that I was surprised to hear from you and you were in Joanne's office and the two of you were asking me how I would feel about you coming home. And, you know, you were gone a really long time. You left, we left this house in the middle of the night, February 1st, 2017. And you didn't come home until March 15th or 16th. Um, so when you think about just the physical time that you were gone was significant. And then the emotional time that you were gone was eons. So I remember being surprised that you were coming home. I, I suppose I had sort of started acclimating to this being our life. I saw you Wednesdays from six to seven and Saturdays from two to three and Sundays from four to five or whatever those hour long visits were. And then you kind of got to call me, I think once a day. Um, and all of a sudden you were coming home and I, I was certainly ready for you to come home on one hand. 
but I also was very anxious about you coming home. Um, it's scary. The last time you had been home had been pretty terrible. So the morning that you were supposed to come home, as I addressed in the video, I was reading a book, this really interesting intellectual conversation between this husband and wife. And I've actually, in this week of thinking about this piece of the story, I've come to realize that, of course, it was not at all about a glass of wine. It was about, I didn't know if what I had lost, never to be found again after years of it being missing, was this stimulating, intellectual, challenging, um, complex man who I had conversation with in the early 2000s and by 2017 was having no conversation of really any bearing. And so the wine was just the thing that I could tangibly grab onto. What I, what I was terrified of was that you were just going to come home and maybe just be like an affable, sober person at best. And I, I did not know how to, how to cope with that or how to articulate that or how to even address my fear because everything felt brand new and uncertain and you were tentative and I was, and it just, it was a highly stressful moment. And I just want to say you, <laughs> that might be one of the single greatest moments of our lives together because you did something I had almost never seen you do in our years together. I mean, let's keep in mind at this point, we'd been together 16 years. So in 16 years, I'd almost never seen you do it. And I certainly hadn't seen you do it in five to eight years at all, which was, you just said to me, I'll take care of this. And you did. Yeah, I've forgotten how to do that, actually. So that, that was kind of new for me, from that perspective. Uh, you hadn't taken care of much of anything for a really long time. And to have you do that and to trust that you could do it and would do it, that is what makes that moment so profound. It's too bad that I lost my mind over alcohol <laughs> with an alcoholic. It really is. I wouldn't go that far again. I know you're again, you're kinder about it than I am. It, it is too bad, but it's such a significant moment in our lives. Not because I got to drink in front of you, but because you just simply took care of something. You took care of me. Maybe that's at its core what it really came yeah. down to. You finally remembered to take care of me. And I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. Because it changed everything. That was probably my exploding light bulb moment. I realized that you were going to be a valuable, equal, compelling partner. Not just a body 
taking up space in a grumpy way. You actually were, were my person again. Oh, thank you, love. Yeah. But it worked out fine. We we met up with some. <laughs> Ran into John and Emily. Yeah. I felt like a little kid who got caught with her hand in the cookie jar. I'll never forget we walked in. How we thought we wouldn't run into someone we know in our neighborhood restaurant is a little bit. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I didn't care. I was, I was, this to me was new life. Oh my gosh, that picture. I think that picture showcases us perfectly in that moment. If you go back and look at 6B, the photo at the bottom, you will see the most confident, delighted, joyful Andrew Masmeri. And you will see an exhausted, wary, mm, trepidatious Dana DelVal. No, I, I actually look like a golden retriever who's just been let out for a walk. I was like, hey, look at this. Squirrel. People. Yeah. Squirbies. Look at that. Yeah. The outside. It was It was an interesting night. It was wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, um, and then I, we actually just watched the video before we came over here and... Uh, Something I didn't know about myself, watching that you relearn really a lot about yourself doing something like this, is um, I talk a lot with my hands. I never noticed that before. Well, don't you think it's because you're nervous? Oh, yeah, it must be because I'm jittering around all over the place. But, yeah. And I have to say, much to my abject shame, although it's not surprising, uh, I have a couple of um, habits that aren't my, they aren't my proudest moments. So if you're wondering if I did indeed chew off my gel nail polish during that reading, I absolutely did. Chelsea, if you are listening to this, I'm hanging my head in shame. I'm not a nail biter. I'm kind of a gross finger sucker. And it's not surprising that the stress of doing those videos brought that out in me because I've largely eradicated it uh, as a habit. But uh, yes, that is absolutely what happens in that and I'm just going to own it in the spirit of uh, we've already laid bare some some pretty heavy details. I guess gel nail polish removal is not the worst thing I could be doing. Yeah. Sometimes I wish we took we, we did them over a course of a num- number of days. Give us a chance to regroup before <laughs> we did do it. Well, it is what it is. Dodger Mary, you only have one post left. I do. Life after... I know. It's graduation from... Don't reveal. The whole point is to keep people... Spoiler alert. Yeah. No reveals. Yeah. Uh, Saturday is my seventh... Well, my one, three, five, fourth post. Next Saturday is yours, and then there's an epilogue. We're almost done. That's incredible. Mm. Are you glad we did it? Yes. Actually, I am. Um, it was more, I didn't think it'd be as impactful on me as it will, as, as it has turned out to be. Boy, I didn't either. I'm not sure what I thought was going to happen. I must not have really thought about it, but I agree with you. I had no idea it would be quite such a ride. It's been emotional. It's been hard. It's been joyful. It's been scary. It's been all kinds of things. And I didn't expect that. Uh, well, I think we are doing some good. I've got a 
got someone trying out AA with me now. See how that goes. I've got um, hardcore AA veterans telling me I'm doing a I'm doing a good thing. Some some of them even said they wish they'd have thought about doing this. So I've just had nothing but congratulations and thanks for sharing, which is. So I think if I mean I think you kind of also almost have a responsibility if you were this lucky to have turned your life around to fighting a, a, a disease like this, and you should try and give people hope because it isn't easy. Yeah. Um, we did have a woman write to us, I think, on one of last week's episodes from the East Coast, and she asked a question. And since she asked it on the website, it's a public question, so I want to raise it because. I'm hoping that maybe some of you can give her advice because we really didn't have any to give. She's 111 plus days sober now. So bravo to you. You know who you're, who you are. Um, and her husband is um, not really viewing this as a family disease. And so she was wondering if I had ever gone to Al-Anon, which I did not. Um, and if you go to, I believe she wrote on 5B or 5C, if you go to that and read my comment, you'll see why I didn't go to Al-Anon. But if anybody listening has gone to Al-Anon or has a spouse who's gone to Al-Anon and it's what, whatever the outcome of that has been, I would really love it if you would write your thoughts and comments on the on the extraordinaryextraordinary.com blog post. Um, you can put it under 6C and I will make sure that she sees it um, because I, her question was was really heartfelt and I don't feel like we could give her a very solid answer. So if anybody's got Al-Anon experience, good, bad, indifferent, or the other, it would be great if you would write and just talk about why it worked or didn't work, or if you recommend it or not, because um, I I will say it it doesn't have to be a family disease, but I don't know that the family can stay intact if everybody doesn't embrace it together and try to figure out their piece of it and see how they fit together. So that would be a great favor for us to pass along to her. Anything else, Dr. Mary? No. That's it. It was a, a nice, been an interesting week. We've got the pod, so Saturday's your the next part the of next your story. Post. Yep. So you'll sort of hear this journey of these last couple of weeks of rehab from my perspective and get a little bit uh, deeper dive, but the corner has been turned. So uh, Saturday's post isn't all puppies and butterflies but it's some puppies and butterflies, which is far, far improved. So as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for writing. Thank thanks you. for sharing. Keep listening and writing and giving advice or asking questions. Yeah, we are, as always, super moved by your investment in this journey and uh, hope we can be of service as you take your journey too. So good night. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon, whatever time of day you're listening to this. Bye.